What you're about to listen to is a Bri-Fi production. Hey everybody and welcome back to... The Bri-Fi Podcast. I'm your host, Bri-Fi, your comics guy. And this week on the Bri-Fi Podcast, I actually have two things that I wanted to review for you guys. So I am super excited. Hopefully you guys are super excited. And it's another late episode, mainly because my family's been sick. And so I've been dealing with illness and things like that. Kind of sucks, but everyone's better now. Somehow my wife, so not somehow, but because we have a child. So every time he goes to school, he's sick. It just seems like every other day, that's just how children work, right? They're just masters of disease spread or whatever. But so my wife got strep throat earlier this week, but the somehow part is that it developed into scarlet fever, which I didn't even know was still a thing. I thought it was kind of eradicated like polio but then like i say that and polio is making a comeback because people aren't vaccinating their kids but like you know scarlet fever the last time i heard anyone have that was like when my sister had it way back in the early 90s or maybe it was like midnight i can't remember it was in the 90s which if you're keeping count of the years was over 20 years ago (laughs) so it's been a while since i've heard anyone have uh any type of scarlet fever so yeah dealing with that uh, me and my son kind of like quarantined almost like with my wife or like kept her uh shunned within the household so that we wouldn't get sick it was a miserable experience for everybody but on the plus side me like my wife's getting better now uh she still has like remnants of the rash of scarlet fever but uh she's not sick anymore not contagious still finishing out her antibiotic treatment and me and my son didn't get sick so thank god (laughs) we had one scare where I kind of woke up with a groggy throat, but like the weather had just recently changed. So I'm just chalking that all up to allergies because I haven't felt bad since that day, which is probably about three days ago. And I've been, I feel great ever since. So we're gonna just uh, knock on some wood here or me, I'm driving. So knock on some dashboard here and uh, call it good. That being said, we have been, I have been, I, I, well, we together as a a whole collective, I've probably been enjoying some things and some um, content and pop culture things. I know I surely have. I got two things I wanted to review for you guys this week. I know two. Crazy, right? It's the makeup for the late episode. But hopefully you guys enjoy. Actually, I think at this point they've just been coming out at the start of the week now. It's like I finally just I've been so late where the new norm is the start of the week, the following week. So I guess that's just the new time frame now. (laughs) Uh, Which is funny because I feel like that's, no, I'm trying to remember, like when I first started podcasting, because I would do like new comic book reviews and I would read new comic books every Wednesday and then I would review them uh, for Thursday and I would release episodes on Thursday. Then I think at one point I decided to wait the weekend and then put episodes out on Monday for like your first morning drive. And then I kind of went back to later in the week. And now I'm like kind of back to the beginning of the week again, but not because I want it to be at the beginning of the week. It's because it was supposed to be the week prior. (laughs) And so that's how we're doing the episodes now. I'm just a sack of shit. But anywho, well, uh, 
we'll just get into it, man. Let's uh, get into some nifty nerd news. All right, guys, up first in the nifty nerd news this week. I'm excited, not that I'm the one announcing it, but I'm excited to find out that Netflix has picked up the One Piece live action show uh, for a second season, which uh, we watched, my wife and I, some friends watched the first season of the live action One Piece. And I gotta say, this they did it right. I, I Like, it's not exactly like the anime, it's not exactly like the manga, but live action, like anime and capturing the heart of what I think One Piece is with the action and a bit of the goofiness. I think this is Netflix finally getting it right. And maybe not so much Netflix, but the team that was put together to produce and put this out. And I mean, they worked heavily with the creator of the manga series. Uh, they I can't remember his full name, but we call him Oda Sensei. Uh, getting, having Oda work heavily alongside the production team and basically giving him final pass on like what stays what goes and what and take seriously taking his input and putting it into the live action i think is what's really led to the success of this show also credit to the fans for one rallying behind that and even like me trolling like message boards and stuff i've seen some people come out to say like well you know in the anime or this and then people like shutting it down being like look this isn't the anime this isn't the manga this is an interpretation of that like this is still something that oda was involved in and it and a lot of people and me including think i i believe that the live action is a good streamlined version of what happens in the manga because let's face it the anime has over a thousand and how many episodes a thousand and like 50 episodes or whatever i don't think it's that many right now i think maybe a thousand twenty maybe i can't remember i gotta look at my crunchy roll and the manga has gone even more than that i believe like maybe over a thousand fifty chapters I, I i'm currently reading it now but i haven't seen what's the latest one yet but so there's no way you could do it panel for panel, story for story in the live action and in, and expect it to be like complete within the next 20 years. Like these, and time frame wise in the manga and the anime, I think only like four to five years has gone by from start to finish or start to where we're at presently. Maybe not even that long. Maybe it's only been like three years. I'm not hundred percent sure but it hasn't been that long so you can't have this anime go on for or this live action go on for 10 20 years without seeing major growth and changes in your actors when you know in the in the source material it's not that bit long you know it's not that big of a time difference so streamlining some things to make it kind of fit better and flow better I think is the right call and it seems like everyone else believes that because it was like Netflix's top show for two or three weekends it was outperforming like Stranger Things season four and other of their major stream uh, debuts that Netflix has had so it, it's it's been doing wonders but I think that also goes to show just how vast the One Piece a fan base really is uh, for the show to perform as well as it has been. Uh, up next in the Nifty Nerd News, 
we're talking about comic books this time. So there's a comic book that come that came out of DC Comics indie label. I think it's called Vertigo Comics, called Fables. It's a really nitty gritty noir style uh, comic book, but it's based on fairy tale characters like like your Snow Whites, your Little Red Riding Hoods, and like that. It's based on that and like Prince Charming type stuff, but living more in a serious world and where serious world there's serious problems like murder and theft and things like that and there's a detective I think it's like the big bad wolf it plays the detective or the guy who is the big bad wolf plays the detective and it's really cool it's really interesting I remember uh, reading a couple of the first volumes and really enjoying it but realizing like whoa this isn't the story that I thought I was going to be reading. Like, there is still some fantasy elements to it, but it's very much like, I don't want to say a cop drama, but definitely a drama more than anything else. But it was really interesting, really cool. So I say all that to uh, bring up the fact that the creator of that comic, um, Bill Willingham, I believe his name is, has come out recently to, uh, and it has released like a press release a news release whatever you want to call it to say that his story fables is now public domain he is making it public domain he does a press release to state that and says that anyone can make any story they want based off the characters that he has created which sounds all all good and dandy and i'll be honest i don't know exactly how the laws work for public domain and stuff and if you can just announce it like michael scott announces a bankruptcy in the middle of an office like that's kind of what it feels like he's doing here but at the same time i don't really know how these laws actually work and based on dc comics response there might be a bit of issue because dc comics has basically come out and said no <laughs> and uh and retort to what Mr. Bill has uh, said about his comic now being public domain. And there's a bit of weird gray area that we're going to need lawyers to look at before we can make a final ruling or decision, I'm assuming. Because, trust me, I'm not going to sit here and make stories based off this character uh, from a story that is still currently being published from DC Comics. But... You know that why not risk it right just not me i'm not going to risk it for the biscuit you guys can uh but uh bill willingham has said that in his initial contract or in the contract that he has with dc comics uh that he is the owner and creator of this book so he has sole ownership of it it's not dc comics ownership or vertigo comics ownership they don't have any type of ownership to it uh, apparently from what he has stated the only thing that they do is publish the book for him and so that kind of leads to this weird thing where dc has been like well we're the ones who p print out the book so we ha obviously we have some type of ownership rights to it and dc has also and bill has brought this up in many news posts and stuff dc has without his consent or knowledge or input has like reprinted certain stories and different types of collections which is something i guess typically you do talk to the creator about but dc has kind of kept him out of the loop of some of their 
print runs and publishing and different collection uh, bundles that they've been putting out and stuff. And he's been upset by it. And he says that he's owed royalties or some type of monetary compensation for these uh, different collections that DC Comics has put out because from what he's stated in their contract, he is the owner. He is the creator. And so for them to start making are reusing stuff that he's created to make more content uh, I mean I guess I kind of see that like at least send him checks you know something like that and he says he hasn't even been paid or at least he's owed half of the money of what are he's owed like they are they've only paid half of what he's owed things like that apparently there was there was also a telltale game I remember this called the wolf among us uh, a Telltale game, which if you don't remember the Telltale game series, they were like story-driven games. They've had like the Walking Dead ones that were really famous. I think there was even a Borderlands one that I haven't played, but I know it existed. But um, apparently for the video game, he wasn't paid anything for that as well, which uses characters that he's created. So I, it, from what it seems like, DC believes that this wasn't a... A joint effort it was more of a you're coming to work for us to create characters for us kind of like what Marvel was doing I mean like DC and Marvel with their like their mainline characters you know like the spider-mans and stuff it's like if new creators come to work on a spider-man book and they decide they want to make new characters for the series well guess what they don't own the rights to those characters Marvel does because they're you're writing a Marvel book and so I guess DC believes that this is the situation is, hey, you came on to create characters for us and now they belong to us. But Bill is saying that, no, based on the contract, I'm the owner and I am the creator, not you guys. So you owe me money. So it's going to be interesting because DC is literally, like I said, like how I paraphrase it, has literally come out to say, no, like and we'll pursue legal action when needed. So they haven't really said anything to really counteract what he said other than they're going to just like a threat basically is just they, they've threatened anyone that is going to try to do anything about this that they they gonna get you but uh it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out i'm going to be paying deep attention to this um and other bit of nifty nerd news the blind side are the parents from the real life story of the blind side and i don't okay Let's walk it back a little bit. So we had talked about the blind side in the past, where it turned out the family, the Toeys, Toeys or whatever they're called, did not actually adopt Michael Orr, who was a, a, a lineman, was he defense, off, offensive lineman, um, came from a really bad home or lack of a home, brought him in, made him sign a conservatorship, not actual adoption, but basically signed over his rights for them to, you know, take charge and make decisions for them, financial, medical, any, whatever. Almost like a power of attorney in a way. I, I guess that is kind of what that is. But, um, and then profited off of his name and likeness as he got into the NFL and they got paid for the movie, The, the Bright Side, or The Blind Side. And Michael Orr has come out to say, well, first off, he's always been against the movie because he, he says the portrayal of him in that movie is nothing like he really was because in the movie he's not a very bright guy and it's really the twoies that bring him in and 
teach them how to play football and teach them how to be like good at stuff when in actuality what he said and other people have said in interviews and stuff that Michael was already good at football like this wasn't the twoies making him good at football he was already good at football and so it's it's basically like this whole beautiful story of a family taking in uh, a young man and helping him grow and getting into the NFL and becoming successful is all crumbling down as like an actual story of a, a deceitful family taking advantage of a young man who they for whatever for all intents and purposes it seems like they could see they could profit off this kid like that's what it now is starting to feel like and now it's becoming a he said she said type story well the they said then this latest story is they never planned on adopting Michael Orr. Like they've come out and just said that. Like it was always supposed to be a conservatorship. And apparently now what they're trying to claim is Michael all knew it was supposed to be that. Michael knew he wasn't being adopted. But in in his defense, and my thought is he was a young he was a kid for all I mean, yeah, he was a teenager, but he was a kid. Let's face it. Does he truly understand what conservatorship means? No, and I'm sure the family led him to believe that this means we're gonna take care of you, we're gonna we're gonna help you, and we're gonna you know be like parents. Like, and they might have even used the p word. They might even say we're gonna be parents to you. And I believe that the Tuies led him to believe that he was gonna be adopted, like he was gonna be one of the family. And for everything that it seems from what they're saying is no, that's not the case, and that's pretty shitty in my opinion to even admit that like no it was always a conservatorship or like they like just like how they don't even try to save face at this point but at also they probably they've made their money you know and they were already a pretty well-off family so it's not like they're hurting for money or anything like that so i don't know it, it to me it's pretty shitty that they've already come out and just said this like right to everyone's face but whatever, man, it sucks. I'm curious to see how this is going to play out because, you know, Michael Orr is seeking damages and money from what he, he he says he's lost. Or not lost, but, you know, he's owed money. They The movie is for his likeness. It's literally his story, even though it's told differently and not how it actually happened. And so, yeah, sucks for him. But we'll, we'll be another story. We'll be keeping a close eye on here at the Bri-Fi podcast to see how it all plays out and the last bit of nerd news guys that i wanted to talk to you about hey spooky season is right around the corner and if you know me i love texas stories i love texas ghost stories especially and i happen to live in and around really haunted areas of texas or supposedly haunted area areas of texas and i think i've only had maybe one instance where I thought I might have seen something like Bailey's Light, which is in Brazoria County, Texas. It's south of Houston. Um, we, uh, we were, I remember driving through there on the main highway and seeing like lights in the trees, but there's like really no houses in the area because I've driven by in the day and there's like nothing in that area. So it was really hard to explain what that light was really coming from. Was it a reflection off something? It didn't. It seemed like it was in the trees. And then, you know, I've heard the story of Bailey's Light and I was thinking to myself, well, I was actually really close to Bailey's Prairie, which is named after the man uh, Bailey, that, uh, that the name I keep throwing out here and like his story. And I've talked about it in the pod, uh, a previous podcast. So if you go to my podcast last October, because that's what I like to do during October is tell ghost stories every week. 
we do talk about Bailey's Light, so it would definitely be something really interesting for you to check out, I think, and also, you know, get some more listens for me. <laughs> no, but um, so with that being said, I'm gearing back up into the spooky mood. I'm trying to get some stories together. I've actually been looking for physical books to read because I like reading about these things. I like having physical books and they're like fun to have, you know, on the bookshelf or at the coffee table. So people would be like, Ooh, what's that? And say, well, 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 let me show you my education. But, um, anyway, so I started looking up and I found, came across this article that states, and it is from the Houston Chronicle. So it might be a little bit biased, but there was a study done by, Oh, who was the company? Uh, try to look here uh treetopia i believe is the website that did this but they state that in a questionnaire slash data pool of all u.s states that texas ranks number one as the most haunted slash most ghost sightings that any state has ever had in fact el paso leads cities uh, state na nationwide as being the most haunted city out of all the states with over 192 recorded ghost sightings. Um, if you're curious about the other cities on the list, Fort Knox was second with Baker Bakersfield, California and Fort Benning, Georgia rounding out the uh, top five. But um, in El Paso, I, there's a hotel out there. Um, they mention it in the article. Oh, the De Soto Hotel, which is known to house spirits in the basement. Like, and I remember hearing there's been a bunch of ghost sightings there at the De Soto Hotel. Also, there's the Concordia Cemetery, where there's been tons of sightings and photographs. And, I mean, we have, what, the Marfa Lights. I mean, they're all over. Houston's got them. Galveston's got them. Brazoria's got them. So, like, like there's ghost stories everywhere. And, like, I told you, like, last, last October... Look at those episodes that I did. We talk about all the ghost stories that we've had there. And I'm hoping to have some new ones for you this time around. I mean, there, I got plenty to choose from. So I'm not worried at all. But so I'm excited. Uh, Halloween is arguably one of my favorite holidays just because it's so much fun. And like getting to see the kids dress up, dress up my son and all that is just always so much fun. And I get so much enjoyment out of that. Uh, one of the things I'm excited about this year, even though I won't be able to participate this year, I have to work Halloween night. So I'm hoping the weekend before Halloween, there's some trunk or treats that we can play around with. Uh, and I can at least be a part of the festivities that weekend. And that'll be a lot of fun, but, uh, I'll have to work on Halloween night this year, but I'm excited because last year, one of the things I bought to hand out was the Wizards of the Coast and the Pokemon Company, whatever you want to call, who prints them out. They did these little uh, Pokemon trading card, like mini booster treats. And so it was like mini booster packs of like three cards that you could hand out as like Halloween candy stuff. And the kids loved them in my neighborhood. They were the first things to go. Kids were coming to the house because other kids told them this is the house with Pokemon cards. And so I got like, my head was like, oh, this is badass. And so getting to see the kids come and get excited about the Pokemon cards and me getting excited about the Pokemon cards. So this year I bought the packs early because last year I struggled. I saw them and was like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. 
and thankfully I was able to get one. This year I got two packs, and they released a new pack for this Halloween season that comes with even more booster packs. I think 10 more booster packs than the other one. It actually costs a little bit more too, but I think it has different Pokemon. So I'm really excited to see how this year's goes. And what my biggest regret though is not saving any for me to see what kind of cards came into in the booster packs. So I might just grab two extra packs just for me to open myself just to see what kind of Pokemon cards come in. I mean, maybe I can do like a live video thing or something with that. I don't know. I've been thinking about doing that. Uh, we'll see. My birthday's coming up soon, so, you know, maybe that'll be my birthday gift to myself is some Halloween treat Pokemon cards, and we can open them up live on, on stream or something like that. Anywho, that's it for the Nifty Nerd News this week, guys. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to talk about the two things that I want to review for you guys uh, this week. All right, everybody, and it's time for the last segment of the BriFi podcast, the things that I wanted to review for you this week. Got two things, so we'll try to get through them pretty quickly. Uh, first thing up is a video game, and it's F-099. So if you have a Nintendo Switch and you have the uh, Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Plus, whatever service, you know, it's like their paid internet service that they do. Uh, you get access to this game for quote-unquote free. I mean, you pay for the service. You know how it is. Like Game Pass and stuff like that, except not as robust as Game Pass is. But anyway, and then it's only like five bucks to a month, I think. Like four or five bucks a month. So you pay for what you get, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, so for those of you who know what F-Zero is, it's like an old school NES racing game, but it was like a futuristic sci-fi racing game. Uh, for those of you who might not know, you might know that one of the main characters, uh, Captain Falcon, on like Super Smash Brothers and all that, comes from F-Zero. And so there, maybe that helped fill a gap for you. I don't know. But um, so F-Zero, really fun racing game, really high, like fast paced, um, pretty simple in my mind but they gave it the 99 treatment and if you don't know what i'm talking about so nintendo has a bunch of these and i'm sure other they're on other systems too but like x game or like game x 99 and so it's like pac-man 99 tetris 99 it's basically these arcade style games but given the battle royale treatment so, you know, kind of jumping on the the popularity of, like, the PUBGs, the Fortnites, the Apex Legends, and the now Call of Duty Warzone and stuff like that. But it's not, you know, obviously F-Zero is a racing game. It's not a shooter. So it's basically you get knocked out uh, after, like, each race, only X amount of people make it to the next race and stuff like that. And so that's how the game works. But I got to tell you, this game, F-099, is so much fun. Like, I, I haven't had this much fun playing a simple game in quite some time. And honestly, if it was just F-0 and I was just playing a racing game, which they have just the regular F-0 if you have, like, uh, I mean, uh, Nintendo Switch does, like, their own little emulators 
So like the NES and the, I think F Zero's on there, or it's on Super Nintendo. I can't remember which one. But like, if it was just releasing this, which I mean, like I said, they already did. It's it's fun for like a few laps or whatever, and then it's very monotonous, it's very boring. The '99 aspect of this game is what really makes it a lot of fun and really competitive, and that's where I've really and really enjoyed this game is in the competitiveness of it. And although there are 99 people on the track, they've added some levels to it or some goals to it to keep you wanting to play even though you're not and at least in my case you're never getting close to finishing first ever like finishing first for me is not a goal like that's not gonna happen but what makes this game engaging and still fun to play is that based on your level it will give you a list of four rivals that are either your same level or very close to it that you need to beat. And depending on how you do against these rivals, it either uh, raises or lowers your level score. So like, I started out at like a C minus or whatever when I first started playing this game and beating rivals and doing, and like in my races and keep beating X amount of rivals, I think like three to four. Like if you beat more than two rivals, you will start going up in level. And now I'm like at a B or a B plus, I can't remember. So like I've been slowly building up my character or my level by performing better than my rivals. And I'm not winning races. Like I'm not even in top 10 of races, but I'm doing well enough against my rivals that I'm seeing progress in my character. I'm unlocking things and I'm gaining experience. So it, it's fun. It's like I said, it's engaging. So. You, you don't feel disappointed that you're not winning races like oh man I'm not finishing first or like this you're but you're still getting positive reinforcement and you're seeing positive progress because you are performing well so like that that's a good thing to have and a good system to have with a game like this because let me tell you 99 racers on these tracks is probably the most chaotic thing that I've ever seen in any game ever and it's amazing it is so much fun it's so it's still fast paced like the game doesn't slow down at all because of that so many people on the track but it doesn't feel so crowded that you're not moving you know like it, it like it just it, it works like somehow it just works and what's great about it is you can bump into people you can try to crash them into walls and that's part of the 99 aspect of it the battle royale aspect of this is you can knock people out of the race but you have to be careful because you're going to be losing health too and that could potentially knock you out of the race uh, what's another cool aspect of this game is that your boost if you've played f-zero you know there's a boost in the game if not hey there's a boost in the game but the boost also works off of your health bar so if you choose to boost you lose health so it becomes a very strategic process of figuring out when it's okay to risk it for the biscuit, you know, risk your health to uh, try to gain a few levels versus trying to keep your health because, hey, you know, you don't want to end up getting knocked out of this race. You're trying to stay in the race. So 
it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. Another uh, really good aspect of this is there's a secondary boost, or I call it a secondary boost. There's there's an added boost to the game. So as you bump into other drivers and things happen on the track, like cars explode and stuff, or I say cars, but racers explode or stuff, uh, these little yellow orbs drop onto the track, which people can pick up. So as you're picking up these yellow orbs, you're building a, a another boost meter that's like underneath your health slash boost. Whenever you fill up that bar and you hit the boost button, it takes you to what's called the sky track. So it's like this track above the track that you, you're, the main track that you race on. And on the sky track, there are arrow boosts along the track and the track is easier to drive on. So it has less turns. It kind of, it's a shortcut is basically what it is. So it's like hitting a shortcut and, um, and you can jump quite a lot, uh, quite very many positions. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, because I, I even finished a race. I think I was like 50 at one point, but when I got my bonus boost or the sky, the sky track boost, I jumped up to like the top 25. Like I had timed it just perfectly. Things just happened to go my way and hit up to the top 25, went from 50 to 25. I passed 25 people and was able to finish the race in a really good spot. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is F099, it's a fun game. If if you don't have the uh, Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass or whatever, try it out for a month, man. Like I said, it's only like five, six bucks. And check out the 99 games. I think the like all the 99 games are really fun to play anyway. It's a nice, it's a fun little twist on these type of games that add, add like a new competitive edge. So definitely worth it in my opinion. As far as the rating goes for this, I give it a positive, uh, positive charge, man. I, I think it's worth checking out. I think it's worth playing. I've, like, immediately when I downloaded the game, I sunk three to four hours in. Uh, my son enjoys watching it. Like, he thinks it's a fun game to watch, and he, he gets a kick out of seeing cars explode. And, like, your car, you can make spin, to, and, like, the spin move will knock other riders across the track and stuff like that. So it's a lot of fun. It, it's interesting. There's other game modes uh, that you can do as well. There's like a team-based one where you rack up points by crashing people and finishing laps and stuff like that. So that's fun. And then there's a Grand Prix mode, which is more like the Battle Royale style where you race on four tracks and as you advance to each track, only certain amount of people may advance to the next race. And I think the final race on the final track, it's only like the top 25 and so it's a lot of fun. It's really like it's just it's a blast, man. Positive charge. Definitely check it out. Uh, the last thing that I want to talk to you guys about is a comic book that I was finally reading. Yeah, I know. Bri-Fi the comics guy finally reads a comic book. But uh, I finally finished volume three of that Texas Blood, which is like a man. I'm trying to think how you describe the story. It is a Texas noir like small town sheriff county texas noir story where and kind of like with an added horror or thriller feel to it which i've really kind of really liked about this story but it doesn't get man i don't want to spoil it but it like it doesn't get too crazy or uh, it doesn't 
doesn't actually dip into the fantasy of anything. It mostly is based in the real world. Like, like there's no fantasy characters or anything like that. Like, no one has superpowers or shit like that. But, like, things are very eerie and very creepy. And, like I said, have a horror aspect to them. Which makes for a really interesting story and, like, really fun and, and engaging. Uh, one, I'm a sucker for Texas things. I don't know if you listened earlier in the podcast when I was talking about ghost stories. Yeah, I love them. And sometimes, like, the stories in that Texas blood read like a ghost story is being told. But when, you know, the sheriff, I forget his name in here, gets to, uh, you know, investigating, we find out what's really going on and stuff like that. Um, and it, I think some stories have gone over, like, like cults. And I can't remember what volume one was really about. I think it was like, or no, I think volume two was the cult that kidnapped a girl. Volume one, I think, was a murder or maybe, I can't really remember. But volume three is pretty fucking good because now a serial killer has made its way to Ambrose County and uh, the sheriff has to deal with it. But, like, the other aspect of that Texas blood is you kind of or at least in the first two volumes, kind of swung between present day and the past. Uh, Volume three is very much a past story with the sheriff and, like, something that he had to deal with. But it's really interesting, man. Like, so, And what I've liked about these different volumes, volumes one, two, and three, while it is a continuing story and the story of the sheriff, they all are, for the most part, pretty self-contained volumes like you can pick up volume two and get or feel like you've read a complete story from start to finish without feeling like man i really should have been reading volume one because i don't understand anything that's going on no it doesn't read like that which is really nice so you could pick up volume three and which is pretty much like it's been so long since i've read volume one and two of that texas blood so picking up volume three was almost like me picking up this book for the first time because i couldn't really remember exactly what happened in the first two uh trade paperbacks but still feeling like hey i'm being re not reintroduced but i'm being introduced to this sheriff and like the way he behaves and like his character i'm getting introduced to the villain of this story and like so it it, it feels and you don't feel lost picking up one of the trade paperback one of the volumes of this book which is something i really enjoy about this story like it's something i can just grab pick up and have a good time reading um What's also been really great about that Texas Blood uh, is the artwork in it. Uh, the artwork's been solid. It really feeds into that noir thriller aspect that the comic portrays so well. And the artwork helps keep the tension. The artwork helps keep um, the set the mood for what's happening, and it just it, it complements it so well. Um, I, man, I think the last story that I remember reading that I felt like did such a good job of comp- having artwork that complemented the story was uh, Outcast by Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman, famous for the Walking Dead comic books, uh, but his comic book Outcast, which was about demonic possession, and so it was really a horror slash thriller book, that artwork fit so perfectly for that story and I feel like that Texas Blood 
has that same art, like not that same artwork, but the artwork goes with the story and tells alongside with the story more to the story. Like it's like another layer of story being told on top of like the written story that you're reading, you know? So it, it's just, it's been great. It's one of those books that I've been meaning to keep telling people, Hey, you need to go check this book out. You need to go check this book out. Uh, but I've always just kind of, I don't know. It's also, it feels like one of my best kept secrets. It's like, I'm so happy that I, like this is mine and I get to read it and enjoy it, but I uh, definitely check it out, man. Um, it is from image comics. So it is like, you know, a creator own indie comic, so to speak, even though image is a pretty big company nowadays. Uh, but it is an indie book. It's great. Uh, you can find it like at one, always go to your local comic book shop first if you can, but if you don't check out Barnes and Noble or like your local bookstore, they're probably carrying it if they carry graphic novels and it's, it's a blast, man. I, I, I can't recommend it enough to people. And one, if you're in Texas, you like Texas things, it's got Texas things. You're going to like it. They're going to make a reference to other Texas things, and you're going to like it. I haven't seen a Whataburger reference yet that I can recall, but I talked about Austin, <laughs> and I was like, hey, I know that place. I don't know where Ambrose County is. Uh, I probably should look that up, but uh, I'm enjoying it, man. I had a lot of fun. As far as the rating goes, I think it's obvious this is another positive charge uh, review for me. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, definitely, like I said, check out your local comic book shop. If not, Barnes & Noble for sure should have at least one of these volumes. And e either one of them is going to be fun and entertaining to read. So definitely check those out. And then if, I mean, worse comes to worse, you can find it online. Uh, favorite online comic book shop or just book retailer online, you're going to be able to find it like at Amazon. <coughs> you didn't hear me say that, though. Um, but that's it for the episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you had fun. I had fun talking to y'all. I know it came out a little late this week or early this week, depending on what, I don't know, your view. on You know, unless you're ha like cup half full, cup half empty type person, or just a cup that's only half, and you're upset because who the hell's been drinking the other half. But, um, yeah, we will see you guys next time on the Bri-Fi Podcast. Right. Oh, wait, before I go, I forgot about all this. Like, I should tell you guys, hey, if you want to reach out to me, have something you think I should check out and review for the show, you can always reach me on all my social medias on Twitter. I mean, X, which is basically Twitter. Now it's shitty Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm on threads. I'm on Snapchat. Or you can just email me. Everything is and I'm on Twitch. You can also watch me play video games and stuff on Twitch. Uh, twitch.tv backslash the Bryfy, you know, T H E B R Y F Y. Uh, all my social media handles are at Bryfy Podcast. That's B R Y F Y Podcast. So definitely check me out on all those. Reach out to me. Let me know if there's something that, like, hey, I'm a big fan of this. I think you should look at it. Let me know what you think because I love that kind of shit. I love to check out things that other people like because it's like sharing in this knowledge man like that's what i'm like today while leaving work uh me and one of my friends from work we we're talking about playing like a video game that we both play and what we like about it and the things that we're doing and like that's the enjoyment that i get about that and like i can do that with the podcast you tell me what you like and i can experience and tell you hey this is what i really liked about doing all this so that's always a lot of fun 
But anyway, now that that spills over with, um, that's it, man. We'll see y'all next time for the next episode. Right fire out.